Thanks, Mark. Um, so if any of you don't have a Bible and would like to follow, there are some um, up here at the front. Um, I've got two readings today. The first one is from Exodus chapter 34, uh, from verse 29 to verse 35. So Exodus chapter 34 from verse 29. The radiant face of Moses. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. The second reading is from uh, 2 Corinthians. Two Corinthians, chapter uh, two, uh, chapter three, sorry, uh, from verse seven. Two Corinthians, three, uh, verse seven. The greater glory of the new covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Pray for Imogen. Father, we, um, Lord, we want to hear your voice. 
And so, Father, we just ask that you would just um, anoint Imogen by your spirit, Father, right now. Thank you for the, um, the way that you've been speaking to her this week as she's prepared for this. But, Father, I pray that your spirit would just move on Imogen now, Lord, and that she would be in freedom to speak the words that you want us to hear this evening. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Hello. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Imogen, and I'm a student up at Bath University in my last year, so I'm nearly there. The end is in sight. Um, and this evening, I'm going to spend a few moments just reflecting on those two passages that we heard with you, on the idea of radiance, what it means to be radiant, for us to be radiant, and the kind of process that occurs for us to become radiant and then the impact that that has on our lives and on the lives of those around us. Before we begin, let me just pray. Um, Father God, I thank you that your word speaks to us today. I thank you that through meeting with you, through encountering you, through contemplating you, we can become radiant. And that in radiance we experience freedom and we can be transformed to be more and more like you. Father, I pray that my words would be your words and that we would go away from this place being changed. Amen. I have been involved on a ski holiday for about six years and throughout those six years I've kind of progressed from camper to leader. And one of the changes that happens when you become a leader is you end up with some responsibility. One of those responsibilities on a ski holiday is to ensure sun cream is applied. Interesting, interesting concept for those of you that don't ski, because snow and sun is not necessarily something you would uh, put together. But in fact, when you are skiing, you are a lot closer to the sun, and I believe that means it's stronger, and you are more likely to get sunburned. Also, on top of that, the sun can reflect off the snow, which can cause horrific sunburn, like above your kind of neck area, which is not good. So as a leader, we are kind of responsible for encouraging sun cream to be applied. Now, last year, we had an unfortunate camper who managed to slip under this sun cream check and spent a day without any sun cream on. And it just so happened that that day was a beautiful, beautiful day just totally glorious, so, so sunny on, on the mountain. And she came down from the mountain very, very red. Um, in fact, quite worryingly red, blistering and things like that, which was not good. Um, but I, I kind of felt like I should share that with you because I find it quite a helpful image of the, the kind of spiritual, spiritual alternative to sunburn. Um, because radiance is a little bit like sunburn. Um, um, <laughs> Um, in, in a way, as we are up a mountain, as Moses was up a mountain, he encountered and experienced God. And when he came down from the mountain, like this unfortunate camper came down at the end of the day, it was very clear that she had spent time in the sun, just as Moses had spent time with God. There was a kind of physical uh, implication for the time that he had spent in God's presence. So that's just an idea for you of what radiance, what radiance to me means and, and that kind of physical side of it for Moses. 
The process that I kind of want to explore with you is the idea that radiance doesn't just happen. Radiance comes and emerges from contemplating God, from spending time with him, from encountering and experiencing him, from communicating with him. And then once we have communicated with him and and contemplated God, there then is a kind of sense of freedom. And and from that place of freedom, from from that place of freedom, we are then transformed. That's the kind of process that I'm going to explore with you. When, when I was a little girl, and actually, unfortunately, still today, I enjoy eating the whole of an apple. This, this includes the pips. Um, and when I was a little girl, aged about seven, uh, I think my granddad, so my granddad used to say, Imogen, you know, if you keep eating the pips of your apples, you're going to have an apple tree growing out from your ears. And as a seven-year-old, this was quite a worrying idea, the idea that an apple tree um, could be growing inside me and that I would become an apple tree. And and as I have grown up, I've realized that 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 isn't possible, so I still eat the pips, which is obviously why I still eat them. Um, And I kind of feel that this this idea of pips and an apple tree is a bit similar to the you are what you eat campaign. Um, It's maybe not quite the same, and I've never really done it, so I I don't really know what the idea is, but... The kind, of, the kind of principle that I get from it is that whatever you spend a lot of time eating, you kind of become a bit like that. So if you eat well, you are a good person. You have done well. Um, and if you eat badly or if you eat junk, you are rubbish. That's the kind of idea that I get. And if any of you follow this diet, I'm very sorry because I don't really understand it at all. Um, but th- this, this idea, this kind of, this kind of diet, um, you are what you eat. It's a little bit like what Don Piper says about radiance, although maybe don't tell him that. Um, So he says, um, you become what you behold. And there's kind of a similarity there. So, So we become what we spend time thinking on. So in a similar way to us becoming what we eat, um, we become what we behold. We become the things that we think on, the things that we encounter, the things that we contemplate. And Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights on this mountain, contemplating God. He spent time in conversation with him. We hear in the passage that it says that um, his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Moses had had a conversation with God. And that was the process by which he became radiant. On the page just before in Exodus 33, it says that Moses spoke to the Lord face to face as one speaks to a friend. There was a conversation going on there. And generally, a good conversation includes an element of speech and an element of listening. Moses wouldn't have gone up the mountain just to speak to God. He went up the mountain to receive the law. He received the Ten Commandments and the other kind of Jewish law. There was time on that mountain where Moses listened to God, where he heard God's will for Moses and for the people of Israel. There was a conversation, a two-sided conversation, that occurred on that mountain, causing Moses to become radiant. Perhaps for you, the word contemplation is a little bit scary. Um, contemplation, for me, often signifies silence. 
maybe a little bit of quiet. And for us as a church, we kind of enjoy quite loud worship, excellent worship, um, and, and praise and speaking and um, kind of prophetic words and, and a lot of noise. And I think that is great. We have an amazing number of children and we are so blessed to have a, a church that is filled with wonderful, joyful sound. So sometimes silence for us, maybe as a community, is a bit scary. Sometimes silence feels a little bit intimidating. Madeleine de Brel said, silence is sometimes to be quiet. But silence is always to listen. So when we enter into a time of contemplation with God, maybe that might be a time of silence, a time of quiet, but it is a time to listen. And as we listen to God, we will understand more of what his will is for our lives and what his will is for the lives of those around us, just as Moses did. In that time of contemplating God on that mountain, Moses became radiant. As we spend time contemplating God, we too will become radiant. Let's uh, go back to the skiing for a moment. Um, can we have the mountain one? Is that okay? Um, so this is a picture I took last year um, on the top of a ski lift type thing. And it gives you an idea of, of the amazing picture, uh, the amazing view that is possible at the top of a mountain. When you stand at the top of a ski run, there's like this mass of space before you and you can see the mountains and the snow and not much else and it's completely beautiful when I stand at the top of a ski run I quite often feel free the world kind of can't get to me I feel released from the stresses and strains and the pressures of real life if you like I get quite a similar feeling when I cycle down Whitcomb Hill at the end of the day. For those of you that haven't been up or down Whitcomb Hill, um, I would recommend going down more than up, generally. Um, but uh, as you kind of, there's kind of a very steep bit at the top, and then you come around the corner, and as you come around the corner, there's like this view over Bath, which is just incredible. And at the end of the day, when the sun's kind of setting over the other side, you see the houses of Bath. You see the abbey kind of in the middle, just there, um, taking its place. And, and you see these little houses and, and the lights and people's lives. And as I see that, I sense freedom. Maybe freedom because I'm not in, in the world. I'm kind of outside it. And I can look, look down on it from somewhere else. But I sense, I sense freedom. And in this world... There are lots of things which seem attractive to enable us to feel free, which seem like they might help us to feel more free. Maybe you look for freedom in spending things on nice clothes, because if you have nice clothes, then really you're free, because you can wear what you like whenever you like. Maybe you find freedom in really great holidays, because they get you out of the normal world and into somewhere very warm and very sunny and very nice. 
Maybe you find freedom in eating whatever you like because you can and it's nice and it's good. Um, or maybe you find freedom in drinking a glass of wine at the end of the day or going out and um, <laughs> seeing whoever you want or uh, meeting whoever you want or um, whatever that might be. There are lots of ways that the world encourages us to seek freedom. All of those things are okay. But all of those things will not provide true freedom. Because the things of the world that offer freedom often lead to chains rather than to breaking them. They often lead to bonds rather than to true freedom. It's very easy to move from a place of uh, desiring freedom from our own point of view to, to being bound by, by something else. Maybe that, is, maybe that is alcohol, or maybe that is uh, sleeping with lots of different people, or maybe that is spending loads of money on different things. I don't know. Um, but the things of this world often bind rather than release. And true freedom can only truly be found at the cross. It says in that passage, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And only in Christ can the veil properly be removed and we can live a life that is truly free. Because when Jesus died, he took all those things which bind us, which chain us, which make us afraid or uncertain. He took them on himself and he broke them through the breaking of his body, just as we will break bread. And in those moments on the cross, we were made free. So true freedom is found when we encounter Jesus, when we accept the freedom that he offers us on the cross. And as we move forward into that relationship with him, we are able to live in a different way. We are able to become radiant because we are free. There's a difference between someone who is visibly free and someone who is visibly in chains. Often that difference is spiritual and internal, but sometimes that difference is physical. You can see a free person's face in a way which you often can't see someone who is in chains and bound by something. There's an image of God in the Bible as, with him as a potter, with God as a, it kind of comes up in Jeremiah and also in Romans, and this idea that God molds us and shapes us, each as individuals. And I said this before, I think, um, each of us has a different purpose, a different calling in mind, a different shape pot that we are meant to be. But besides the difference that we each have, the unique calling that we each have, we have a universal calling to praise God. And we are truly free when we are doing what we are created to do. We are created to worship and praise God to be in a relationship with him. And when we enter into that relationship with him, when we see the cross for what it truly is, we will experience freedom and we will therefore become radiant. 
This freedom is also no longer temporary. When Moses went up the mountain, he went up for 40 days and 40 nights and then came back down. Leaving Jesus, leaving, leaving God, leaving God uh, <laughs> uh, in a cloud on the mountain at the top. Moses came down and when he came down, he had to put a veil over his face because the radiance was too much for the people of Israel. And it was fading, it was temporary. There is another mountain a little bit later on in the Bible where Jesus goes up and he experiences God. This is the transfiguration and similarly is made glorious in his face. There's a kind of radiance in him. I was quite confused by these kind of different mountain pictures because I deeply believe that we can experience God just as much in this building as we can on Wednesday afternoon in a coffee shop. We can experience God just as much in this building as we can in a Thursday morning horrific meeting. And we can experience God just as much on a Monday morning school run as, as in St. Matt's on a Sunday night. So I didn't quite understand how we could have these mountaintop experiences, but also experience God Monday to Saturday. I didn't quite know how those fit together. And then I realized something quite intrinsic. There is a difference between Moses and Jesus. That's not that controversial a statement, I know, but um, there is a difference. Um, Jesus, when he came down from the mountain, brought God with him. Because in his very being, he carried God. Because he was God. So when he came down from the mountain, the cloud did not stay on the mountain. It came down with him into his ministry and into his life. That is the intrinsic difference. Because when we leave this place this evening, we don't leave a cloud of God's presence here. We take within each of us a cloud of God's presence. Into our Monday to Saturday lives, we take with us the body and blood of Jesus because he gave to us the Holy Spirit so that we might be with God each and every moment of our lives. The freedom, therefore, that we experience on the mountain, the freedom that you might experience in contemplating God in this place, in contemplating God in times that you spend in prayer each day, or at pastorate on a Wednesday, or whatever you do to encounter and experience God, the freedom that you experience there goes with you into your day, goes with you into the rest of your week. Because the cloud does not stay on the mountain. It comes down with us into the ministry that God has in mind for each of us to do. I have a short video just to play you, um, if that's okay. Um. Thank you very much, Bush Gardens. Um, I find that deeply moving, um, and I'm not sure my biology is correct, but um, so sorry. Um, but I find it deeply moving because when a flower grows, it grows from its bulb, and it grows begins kind of within that bulb, and and then over time 
you then see the fruit, you see the flower that kind of comes out of this transformation that's occurring within something. So similarly, under the soil, there's stuff going on under there, and you see it at some point along the journey, but before you see it, there's stuff going on underneath. The bulb is kind of transformed from the inside out. And we similarly are transformed from the inside out. That 2 Corinthians 3 passage um, says, uh, And we, we who all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. As we contemplate God, as we think on who he is, on his glory and his majesty, as we spend time in conversation with him, we become radiant. We are free because we are doing what we are truly made to be. And we are transformed more and more each day, bit by bit, into God's image. The word for contemplate used in the NIV, some of you might have it underneath, the other option for the word is reflect. It's almost as if we are looking at God in a mirror. And as we look at God in a mirror, we become more and more like him. As we spend time reflecting on who he is, contemplating his goodness to us, we become more and more like him. Our character becomes more and more like him. I have a short poem for you to to share with you. Um, As a young person, I wanted to change the world. I realized I couldn't change the world, so I decided to change my nation. I realized I couldn't change my nation, so I decided to change my town. I then realized I couldn't change my town, so I decided to change my family. As a slightly older person, I realized I should have just tried to change myself. And if I had changed myself, I might have changed my family. And then they might have changed their town. And then our town might have changed the nation. And then our nation might have changed the world. I believe that we as Christians are changed by God. As we contemplate him, we are transformed. And as we are transformed from the inside out, that transformation affects the world around us. Maybe in small ways to begin with. But it has the possibility when we are transformed from the inside out to have huge implications at some point along the line. To bear flowers and bear fruit. So as we contemplate God, as we reflect on him, we become more radiant. As we acknowledge the cross and what we were created to do in praising and being in relationship with God, we become radiant. And as we become radiant, we will be transformed from the inside out, having an impact on maybe our family, maybe our town, then maybe our nation and maybe our world. I want to ask you to join with me just before we have communion and we share that time together to contemplate God together as a community. 
It's going to be uh, w- some words from Psalm 34 on the screen. Um, and I just want to ask you to, to sit with me in silence. And that silence might be quiet, but that silence is for listening. To hear what God has to say to us. To enable radiance. Experiencing freedom. And hopefully transforming each one of us from the inside out. Psalm 34, verses 4 to 5. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. 